So it's page 1182 on the Church Bibles, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 to 13, and then verse 6 and 7 from chapter 2. So page 1182. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have shared, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing in thankfulness. Thank you, Stephen. Um, let's just pray. Uh, we've just heard God's word. Alex will be coming up to speak. So let's just uh, bow our heads and just uh, commit this time of, of teaching and learning and uh, committing Alex to, to your care. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the very words of God. Thank you that you have caused it to be written, to cause it to be uh, kept safe throughout the, the generations, to be given to us. We thank you for those you have raised up to preach your word. Thank you for Alex. Thank you that his desire is to be a workman approved unto you as somebody who can correctly handle the word of truth. I pray that as he speaks uh, from this letter to, to the Colossian church, I pray that he might stick closely to your word. I pray that he might be in, excited about preaching, that indeed even that his heart is war- warmed as he even uh, reads uh, scripture to us. Pray that our hearts might be open to your word, that we might have a deep, deep desire to, to know more about you, to understand more about what it means to be in Christ um, and also to live a life worthy of you. Help us not to be distracted. Help us in perhaps the things that are in our minds, things that would be get in the way. I pray that you might help us in, these, in this, at this time just to, to be able to hear, to be able to think clearly, 
And Lord, to be able to take in your word that you would have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Alex. It's interesting that Jonathan um, prays that my heart would be warmed. It feels more like beating really, really fast. But I think that's a good thing. I think it's, uh, it's good to, to stretch ourselves and to, um, to get opportunities to, to really get stuck into one little passage um, and to unpack it, uh, to apply it to our own lives, uh, and then to try and put that into words and hopefully encourage you to apply it to your lives. So it's good to be here. Growing up, I, like most of you, I went to church. In church, I went to Sunday school. And at home, I was read Bible stories and would say my prayers every night. As I get older, got older, I didn't kill anybody. And as far as I know, I didn't rob any banks. And I didn't do those things as a kid either, by the way. That's where you're meant to laugh. I said pause for giggle I lived a pretty good life and if I did on the rare occasion do something wrong I usually said sorry so I was okay as I grew up I started going to summer camps at which they spoke about Jesus now I had been to church I had been to Sunday school so I knew Jesus I knew about Jesus I knew about the baby I knew about the healer the guy who turned water into wine, the martyr, the one who came back from the dead. But at these camps, I started to hear the story of the Bible, not just Bible stories. I heard God's story of rescue. At these camps, and over time through secondary school, I heard the Bible explained clearly. I heard that believing in God or Jesus wasn't enough. Knowing the things that he did in the Bible wasn't enough. I began to realise that I needed to receive the gift he offered me. To let him be my Lord, my King. I needed to kneel, either figuratively or physically, before him and worship him with my life. I also learned that I needed, to rece- I needed Jesus as my saviour, recognising the truths of the Bible that on my own, own I am rebellious, selfish, and if I was honest with myself, sinful. I realised that this behaviour and attitude separated me from God and that I needed to help. I needed the help that he was offering me, Jesus a saviour. No amount of trying harder to be better or to help more people or to be nicer or to even follow the Ten Commandments better would make me right with God. The scary reality of the Bible dawned on me that these sinful attitudes and behaviours actually separated me from God and would ultimately separate me permanently from God and all that was good. The Bible calls this hell, and that's what I needed saving from. 
Now obviously this didn't all come as a lightning flash one evening sitting around the campfire at summer camp. Having received Christ Jesus as Lord, I needed to continue in him. This wasn't just a one-off, this was a continuation. These truths have come to me slowly over time. When I went to college, I met other believers, followers of Jesus. We studied the Bible together. We attended Christian Union meetings together. We had the Bible, God's Word, explained and unpacked for us. We looked at it and asked how our lives matched up with what was written. We prayed the truths of the Bible into each other's lives. We challenged each other to become more like Jesus. As I've been involved here in this church, I have grown in my knowledge and understanding of God and his purposes. I am still learning the magnitude and the cost that comes with being a follower of Jesus. I have been challenged to continue in the faith as I was taught. That's my story. The Colossians have a similar story. Let's look with me in uh, Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to pick it up in verse 21. And we're going to see how Paul describes them. He says, Once you were alienated from God, were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. Chapter 2, verse 13, elaborates in describing what they were like. When he says, when you were dead in your sins. So to paraphrase, Paul said that they were unchurched, uncircumcised, not baptised. They were rebels against God, involved in idolatry, they were hostile to God in their minds and their behaviours. Their thoughts and actions were contrary to God's design. Paul paints a, a pretty, um, he paints a picture of a pretty godless group of people without hope, without Christ. However, God changed their lives as he changed mine. Let's carry on and look at uh, chapter 1 verse 22 again. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. What a transformation. Let's list those things. They were alienated, they were hostile and they were evil. But now they are reconciled, holy and free. Chapter 120 goes on to say, And through him, speaking of Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's how God did it. By Jesus' act of sacrifice on the cross, their sins were forgiven, and the debt which they owed for their sins was cancelled, wiped out forgotten and this happened as we look as we look at in verse 7 of chapter 1 that they learned it from Epaphras our dear fellow servant who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf they heard the word of truth 
they received the good news of the gospel and they heard it from Epaphras. So we see that their story has brought them from a place of separation from God into a place where they possess redemption and forgiveness of sins. Armed with that redemption and forgiveness of sins that comes with life in Christ, the Colossians had a secure hope, as verse 5 says. The faith and hope, or the faith and love, that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Paul then encourages them to kick on from there, not to rest in their laurels and sit tight, but to kick on. Not to get comfortable that they have received salvation, that they are saved and they don't need to worry about life, but they are to continue, to continue to live in him. And this is where he says it again in in verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel and so that is how we come to today's passage today's passage is the kick on the continue, the action following the theory for those who are followers of Jesus. So let's read today's passage again. Chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, according to the more studious people um, who write commentaries and books and clever things like that, there's a received as a technical term. And it means to receive a tradition. And that indicates that they welcome both the person and the authoritative teaching about him, about Jesus. So, to try and understand that, to receive Christ Jesus as Lord is to embrace Jesus, the person, and the authority of his word, the scriptures, or the Bible. To continue to live in him is to walk with him. Where our doctrine reflects our behaviour, where theology and ethics go together, where we back up with our life what we say we believe. So let's think of a couple of examples that might apply to us. Maybe we pride ourselves in being honest people. We don't steal. We hand money into the Gardaí if we find it on the street. Because, of course, that's what Jesus would do. And that's what he would want us to do. However, when it comes to filling in our tax returns, we can slightly exaggerate our tax liabilities, maybe. Or we can exaggerate our expenses to reduce our tax liabilities. Because that's just shrewd accounting, isn't it? Or maybe when we come here on a Sunday morning, we speak a certain way. When we meet our church family during the week, we choose the words that we say quite carefully. However, 
when we get cut off in traffic or the slow driver in front makes you miss the lights when you're already running late, well, then we have some choice descriptions for that person. Don't we? But it's okay, because we're just we're late for work and Christians need to be good employees and they need to be on time because we don't want to be robbing our, our employer um, by being late. And anyway, they probably deserved it, didn't they? What about our behaviour or our choice of words on the soccer pitch when we get tackled without the ball? Maybe that's just me. But nobody likes hypocrisy, do they? We hate feeling like we've been fooled or that somebody has got the better of us. We have trust, that we have trusted someone and found them out to be a fraud. We too need to be careful if we call ourselves Christ followers. Because that comes with responsibility. We need to live our lives for Christ. There's no point in saying that Jesus is my Lord and my Saviour if I continue to worship myself and put myself first. Lord in the dictionary is defined as a person or a deity who has authority, control or power over others. A master, a chief or a ruler. So let me ask you and myself, does Christ have authority in your life? When you hear his words, the Bible read on a Sunday, or over the radio during the week, when you read it yourself at home or discuss it at home group during the week, when you listen to the weekly sermon given either by the full-time preacher or the fill-in ones, do you take it seriously? Do you take it as God's words speaking to you, applying to you? Do you take it as Jesus' authority in your life? Or do you listen and think that that all sounds fine, but it's not really for me. I preferred last week's message anyway. But I do hope that the person sitting next to me is listening because they really need to hear it. Do you comfort yourself by thinking that this is just the way I am? God made me like this. He doesn't make mistakes. And so this talk of change isn't really for me. And anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian already. I'm a Christ follower. I, I don't need to change. I'm saved. Do you leave the Bible study and think, well, that did nothing really for me. I, never, I didn't really get anything out of that. I've thought all of those thoughts as well, to my shame. Do we really submit to God's word? I know I need to wake up. I know I need to be active. I know I need to kick on to continue to receive or to to continue in Christ as I received. Here in Colossians, Paul is writing to a church. So we can assume that they are followers of Christ. Their place is already secure in heaven. They're saved. So, So we're not talking now about salvation. But Paul still encourages them to continue. I need to keep going. I need to back up my life and actions with what I say that I believe. 
So we've spoken about continuing. Let's look at what it means. If we say that Jesus is our Lord, how do we live it? What does it actually look like to live under the authority of Jesus? And once we have discovered that, do we submit to it or do we pick and choose which parts we apply? Let's look again at the passage to see how this continuing is achieved. What does it say? So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, some of you who know my job will understand that I love trees. I love how they change over the seasons. I love planting them into gardens, knowing that most likely they'll outlive me. I love how they change... um, yeah, how they just change how, how a garden looks and feels over the years. I have favourite trees, and I have trees which I really don't like. There's a common tree which was planted a lot in the past called the Leylandii. Many of you will know it, some of you might even have it in your gardens, um, and you probably call it a palm tree. It was planted in the past because for its quick growth and its foliage because it made a good quick hedge or fence between gardens or as a windbreak in exposed sites. I usually come across this when it's been neglected and got out of control and I have to come in and try and fix it or just cut it up for firewood. But these trees are a menace and a nuisance and once the wind gets into them at all they can just fall like dominoes. They have a poor and a shallow root system and as soon as a storm comes they can be ripped out of the ground so they rarely live past the age of 50. On the other hand, I love the mighty oak, the elder statesman of the woodland. A good oak will see lots of Leylandii grow and fall and will probably see a lot of us come and go as well and our children and possibly grandchildren. The oak will not be blown down. In fact, because the wood in the oak tree is so hard and the roots are so deep and so firm the tree can die and remain standing for years while still dead. When Paul was writing to the Colossians he knew the difficulties the storms that were going to come in their life. And we are guaranteed difficulties in life as well. Whether it be the death of loved ones whether it be troubles at work, peer pressure in school or college, bad habits getting out of control, stresses at home with young children or spouses. The list goes on and on. And yet Paul writes this message for us today, here, now. Paul tells us in chapter 2, verse 6, to continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, As we put down deep, deep roots, we grow. We become firm. We grow up. As a mighty oak puts down deep roots and gets gets its nourishment, it becomes unshakable. We need to be rooted in Christ Jesus as Lord if we are to continue to live in him. As Christians, 
To be rooted in him is to be like the roots of the oak tree. As they wander around the soil, they're searching out food and water. To be rooted in Christ is to be searching out the word of truth, which nourishes us. Jesus and his authority through the Bible should be our firm foundation. Roots in a healthy tree cannot be seen. They are deep and underground. Who are you when nobody's watching? What do you do when nobody's watching? What do you feed your eyes or your mind when nobody is watching? What roots are you putting down? Who you are when nobody is watching will influence your faith when a storm comes along. Be rooted in Christ and in his word. As the roots go down, the tree grows up. As we are rooted deeper and deeper in Christ, our lives will be built up in him. Be rooted in Christ and in his word. As I mentioned earlier in my story, when I went to college, I grew in my knowledge and understanding of God and his will because I spent time with his people and together we studied his word. I've said it before from this very place that I'm not much good on my own, that I need people around me to strengthen me in my faith. I notice that when I break my good routines and good habits that I tend to wander or drift off from the word of truth. Meeting together isn't just something that is good to do. Meeting together is essential for our growth and being strengthened in the faith. Don't give up meeting together. This new term. How will you continue to live in him? How will you be rooted and built up in him? How will you be strengthened in the faith as you were taught? or as you received. The good news is that God has given us the answers, if we accept them, and the authority with which they come to us. God works today through his Holy Spirit, through his word, the Bible, and through his people, the church. So let me make some suggestions looking ahead at this new term in the life of the church. Firstly, whether you're a believer or not, receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Daily embrace Jesus the person. Submit your life to him and the authority of the scriptures, the Bible. Put down deep roots when nobody is watching. Pray, making your heart known to God. Let him know how you feel, how you struggle what you're thankful for or what you're scared about. Commit to being at Sunday morning meetings. Change your work rota where possible. Say to your team coach or your captain at the beginning of the season that you're unavailable for selection for Sunday morning games. Make meeting with other believers a priority. Put Wednesday evenings into your diary and commit to being there this term. We have a weekly home group, as Jonathan's already mentioned, where we meet to encourage each other and to pray God's truths into each other's lives. 
Uh, speak to Johnny, Ralph or Jonathan afterwards if you'd like to know more about that. Why don't you try and find somebody or a couple of people whose schedules fit yours and meet for coffee once a week over, over lunch? Use that time to open a book of the Bible. See what it says together. If you're in college or if you're in school, commit to meeting others in your college or in your school. Go to CU, the Christian Union, a great place to meet people, to encourage each other, a little oasis um, in the desert that is college. Meet with each other and encourage them, and you will be encouraged. Chapter 2, verse 7 concludes with overflowing with thankfulness. Now Paul doesn't just add this little bit in to pat us on the back and say, there, there, everything will be okay. All we have to do is say, thank you God, and everything will be fine. No. As we are rooted in Christ, as we are built up in him, we are strengthened in the faith. We realise more and more our desperate state without him. We see our sin and how much we have been saved from. Chapter 112 says, Joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. That's the price that Christ paid on the cross. We have been rescued from this pit of despair and we have been brought into the kingdom of the Son he loves. We have so much to be thankful for. Yes, life is hard. We have struggles. We have frustrations every day. But we have so much to be thankful for. Life would be worse if we didn't have Christ. Now all these things that I've listed out, all these good recommendations, all these suggestions for the term ahead, they won't make you a Christian. Only God can do that. However, I would dare to suggest that a Christian cannot survive without these things. Long-distance relationships don't work with God. Following Jesus is a relationship. Like any relationship, there needs to be talking, prayer. There needs to be listening, reading his words or the words he speaks through other people who are rooted in his word. This new term, let's commit to continuing with Jesus Christ as Lord. Let's root ourselves in his word. Let's encourage each other at every opportunity to continue to live in him. And now let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who unveils it to us. 
Father, forgive me when I pick and choose which parts I listen to or which I choose to apply. We are so in need of your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness which is available to all of us through Jesus. Thank you that through his selflessness, our selfishness can be forgiven. Please, Lord, would you show me, show each of us this coming week how we can change to be more like Jesus. Help me, help us, to be daring enough to make those changes. Be gracious to us as we try. We pray this for the sake of Jesus, his kingdom and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Um, a lot to think about for the coming week when we're thinking about uh, the sermon this morning. Of just making notes, Alex, and I just thought maybe we might just pause for a moment or two and just for ourselves, just to think, just to pray to God about these things that we've heard. So just have some quiet reflection, just for a minute, just between yourself and God. Just some things I'd written down were uh, about submitting your life and it's to the authority of Jesus, putting down deep roots when nobody's watching, praying encouraging in, in the new term and what's going on, committing ourselves to continue in Jesus. So just before, in a few moments, we're going to be singing in Christ alone. Just let's pause for a moment and just between ourselves and God, just ask God about these things. Are, do we submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus? Are we willing to be continually rooted in him and be seeking ways of being more deeply rooted and committing ourselves to continue with Jesus? Let's just pause for a moment. Christ alone my hope is found. Let us stand and continue our our worship by singing this uh, song of praise.